Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend, the Dr. Michael Berg, um, I would say famous podcaster, um, <laughs> even more famous author on the way there, um, but now I would say Facebook famous as well. What, what's your total right now, Michael? Of friends? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm over 400. After, after 20 years, Michael started a Facebook, and he, <laughs> is it called a Facebook or just Facebook? I don't know. Facebook account. And he is just racking up friends. How many TikToks are we at now? Uh, I was gonna, I'm going to do maybe my fourth today. Okay. So you, you should, and you're, sh- you're sharing these somehow on Facebook so, too, right? Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. I'm thoroughly embarrassed by this whole thing, by the way. So if you have <laughs> not, um, been checking out Mike's content, he's turning it out. It's good. And check it out, but then also buy his book because he is doing this. Uh, he is a good sport and he is promoting, um, I'm promoting 1517. Yep. And his new book, which I have a copy of, and as I commented on Facebook, I'm very much looking forward to pretending to read. <laughs> and oh, you uh, didn't read the first one either, did right, you? Right, but I said it was a great book. Yeah. <laughs> I told all kinds of people it was great. Yeah. I pretended I got, to read I got it. One, I got one coming out, I don't know when, but uh, will you read the third one? I would, I would read your book for sure if, let's say, I came from our own synodical publishing house. <laughs> if I knew it were safe, <laughs> it were act, then, <clears throat> then I would read it. Um, but Michael's book can be pre-ordered a, on any given Sunday. You can go on Amazon and do that. Encourage you to do so. Do not accept his Facebook friend request. I had, I had so many friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then I deleted it because people went a little crazy over the pandemic and politics and our birds real and all that. Um, <laughs> and I got it back, and I was keeping it like real small. But I've been I've been expanding my circle just because. I can't have been on social media so much longer and yet have Michael outshining me so brightly, um, like a star in the sky, um, like a firework almost, Yeah, I would say. Shining, um, feel shining free. bright like a diamond. Yeah, I'll make you this deal. If you're a podcast listener, you friend me, I'll accept your friend request. But do not friend Michael. <laughs> his, his footprint is getting... Too big. Does that sound fair? Yeah. He's no one friend Jason. He's verging on. Jason on just does his own thing. He's got status. like eight friends that are all into like manhole covers <laughs> yeah. and uh, weird beers and um, <laughs> weird. Yeah. And like farm tools, farm equipment. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you're not really putting yourself out there. Nope. As it is. Nope. Um, all right. We are going to actually talk about a main topic at some point today, but also excited. With this new equipment that I'm figuring out how to use, and I would say, gentlemen, you don't have to compliment me, but I would accept it here. Using nice job, sort Wade. of okay. Nice job. I would say. Um, we had our first remote guest, a longtime friend of mine, James Metzger, um, who joined us for uh, the last bonus episode we did. And now we have our second. He has the privilege, um, the honor, to be our second remote guest. And that would be a fellow Michigander, um, unfortunately, oh, on blue. the wrong side, yeah, on the wrong <laughs> side of that. That's two Michiganders. Both remote guests have been Michiganders, and right. both have been Michigan fans. Yes. You know what this proves is how difficult it was for me growing up yeah. with the go green and the uh, the go white. Mike's bringing out the uh, the Paul Bunyan trophy. 
<laughs> how, how many coaches have you guys had get arrested since you won that? <laughs> oh, he's got the oh, jug, and too. the little brown jug. He's trolling all of us. Thank you. Wade, I think you, you misspoke there when you said coaches get arrested. I think you meant Big Ten championships. Uh, Is that what you meant to say there? <laughs> two. Two would be the answer. Now he's got his, his Michigan Hebrew out here, too. Michael's having fun with this. You should put this on Facebook. You should be making a TikTok of this. That would actually be good content. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, your other content's good, but I'm saying it would be fun TikTok-like content. Like I'm going to listen to a guy with like a couple hundred <laughs> friends on Facebook and no hey, TikTok. See, this is this is what yep. happens. Yep. But we have Pastor Noah Bader with us. Um, Noah Bader is a, a longtime friend um, of uh, mine and Michael's. Uh, does not like Jason. That's right, Noah, right? Well, you know, I wanted to say, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I wanted to say thank you to Wade, you, and Mike for coming out and uh, guest preaching and presenting here. And uh, to WLC for affording you guys the opportunity to do that, but I have yet to hear from Jason, and so I don't know quite how to read that. Yeah. If, uh, At some point, he'll say, like, know, yeah, I, I can probably do that, and then it'll just never happen. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my that's my M.O. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Noah, why don't you go ahead? You have, you have served um, at a couple congregations here. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about, about yourself and why you're serving now? Yeah, I uh, was assigned to serve at um, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Salt Lake City, where I believe the guest who was supposed to be on last week, Pastor Tyler Peel, um, he took over for me and has uh, uh, superseded me. So I am a, a long forgotten memory there now because of him, which is a good thing, which is exactly what you want. So I'm very thankful for that. I was there almost 10 years um, and then um, have been here in Thousand Oaks, California, kind of a northern suburb of L.A., about 33, 35 miles uh, kind of north of L.A., uh, also called Prince of Peace. So <clears throat> I created foolishly a Gmail account for my address years ago and incorporated Prince of Peace into the title, not thinking kind of down the road. So I'm pretty much stuck to whatever, whatever call I take. The name of the church has to be Prince of Peace, unless it's a title I'm ready to attribute to myself. Uh, well, so, to all the Prince um, of Peace's out there in the Wisconsin yeah. city in the ELS, you now have a name. There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. So... Um, Thousand yeah, Oaks, no. uh, home of the Ronald Reagan Library, or, or no, was that Simi Valley? I think it's Simi, yeah, but uh, it's just kind of this general area, big, big Reagan following. So um, there was, a, we, we were doing a tour of some of the local uh, schools for my daughter, and it was uh, February, so it was right after kind of President's Day and President's Month and everything, and they had pictures around the entire classroom. I think every student, and this was like first grade, every student had to pick their favorite president and write a couple sentences about it. And there were 55 President Obamas and one Reagan. That was it. <laughs> so, just, the, you know, kind of the father that goes around the, the, the dinner table here, you can kind of imagine. So um. Nice. The, uh, well, Noah, we're happy to have you with us. And I know you've um, listened to the anthropology episode, so you kind of know what we're doing. Um, for our listeners, if you're jumping in here and you haven't listened to the other anthropology episodes, you're going to be just fine. But I encourage you to go back and listen when you get a chance. Um, today we're going to be picking up with Genesis 4. It's going to be a murder mystery. Except it's not really a mystery because we know exactly 
who did it. It'll be a true crime podcast, and I'm going to put that in the the tags. True crime. True crime, and we'll see if we can get some uh, some of those true crime listeners having their glass of wine and enjoying some murder talk, mm-hmm. maybe having a bubble bath. Um, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> uh, we will get ready to uh, to pick up with that as we make our way um, into discussing Cain and Abel. I'm a little disappointed. What? Uh, Jason had, a few weeks ago, a very bold outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, Michael commended it. Michael liked it so much that Michael then went bold himself. I went as bold as I could. It was a poor imitation, but no one said. It worked. Huh? It worked. I shouldn't have to ask for that. Well, I. If anybody's wondering, so if anybody <laughs> from WLC is listening, why <laughs> there's been like blue and gray being worn with clericals lately, it's <clears throat> Jason did it and Mike did it, and then I felt like I should try. So Sh- Should we do the podcast? Yes. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to do the disclaimer? Yes, Michael. Okay. Let's do the disclaimer. For this the show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends. And don't let us get in the way. Now Adam knew his knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain saying I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord and again she bore his brother Abel now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground in the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they, when they were in the field, Cain rose up, raise, rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. 
If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Uh, The word of the Lord, and I will throw it to any of you three gentlemen for your first impressions of this this true crime episode, the the murder of of Abel by Cain. Um, do I want to go down the road of me being unorthodox, heterodox even? That's always my favorite road, Michael. (laughs) What Uh, other road do you walk? Yeah. um, (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that I'm right. In fact, I'm probably wrong. Yes? So, don't email me about this. (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm right. But when we generally look at Cain and Abel, of course, we want to see what's in the heart of Cain and what's in the heart of Abel, because that's what we like to do. We want to see who's good and who's bad, right? I just preached at McGuanago and uh, tried to compare Peter and Judas. They both had a bottoming out. And why, why does Judas go down the road he does, and why does Peter go down the road he does? And uh, what we're all thinking was, well, Peter meant well. Yeah, and Judas didn't, right? And try to, that's what we want to do. We want to find out who's good and who's bad, right? All right. So I'm not disagreeing with that interpretation that uh, Abel gave for the heart and Cain was selfish. But I think even if that's the only thing, you still begs the question why, right? So I am wondering that if, Obviously, we finally get down to Cain didn't trust God, Abel did, right? But maybe it wasn't just about the fat portions and the leftovers, but it was also the type of sacrifice that Abel brought blood and that Cain did not. And if you look at all the Old Testament sacrifices, there's you know sacrifices of grain, wave offerings, there's sacrifice of um, liquid, right? Wine pouring out under the ground, um, and obviously the animal sacrifices for your homies. That's where it comes from. I bring that up every time. I'm like, anybody, (laughs) 90s hip-hop? And they're like, just stare at me. Anyway, um, so when when you, those were not independent, though. They were, as far as I know and the way I read it, is that they were always connected with the blood sacrifice. And if we believe that the sacrifices of the Old Testament even of the place of Cain, and I do, I'm not saying you have to, but in, in the time of Cain and Abel, that the blood sacrifice was intended to be a picture of the sacrifice of the Messiah someday. Well, that's debatable at this time, right? Um, it may have been just like kind of primitive religion, you know, just offering a sacrifice because you know that God's angry. Uh, can I make us more heterodox? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So you know how... Um in our Senate, we like to debate about, like, um, receptionism and the moment of presence. Mm-hmm. Like, so would there be, like, a moment of sacrifice symbolizing Christ in the Old Testament? Like, right. if it doesn't hear, like, when does it in the Mosaic Law? Like, right. And I suppose, if it, unless we're told, that would be kind of the, the typical answer. Right? I, I bet at some point someone's had an answer that this is the exact moment. Yeah. I would argue... I mean, I would think all sacrifice, essentially, we can fairly say that. I would argue that that's the case and that 
I mean, it, it opens up a broader question, like, because sacrifice is found in every religion. Is that something that was borrowed, or is it a natural inclination? You know, the God's angry, so burn something up. I think it can actually be both. That's, that's, a, that's a different topic. Um, yeah, I mean, it, makes, it almost make, makes less sense if it's not both. Right. I mean, the, all false religion is drawing something yeah. from true religion. Yeah, and so we, we, we would uh, uh, broach a subject in, in world religions, right? How much of this is cultural borrowing? How much is this handing down? We don't know, and maybe sometimes the answer is not either or, but both and. Okay, so if we assume that, that the sacrifice was pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it makes sense that there would be a blood sacrifice along with the other sacrifices, right? And I know Cain's a grain farmer and Abel's a, a rancher, but I'm pretty sure they probably swapped some things. Well, and this is too that um, <clears throat> Luther says uh, Cain is spoiled by getting to be the farmer like Adam and Eve just spoiled Cain, and this is another yeah. sign he spoiled while Cain has to do the, the dirty livestock. But, it, yeah, I mean, there's they're, they're doing what Luther's getting is they have what we would call trades or professions. Yeah. It wouldn't be like Cain was a vegetarian yeah. Yeah. because Abel never gave him, and it wouldn't be like Abel was like, man, I wonder what grain tastes right. like. Right. And, and now Luther's going to go with the firstborn thing. That's, that's a whole, he spends a lot of time on that. But it's fun. I, I, I just think that part of it was because Cain didn't trust God, it was then a work righteousness thing. I just, I give, I give whatever's left over because I got to do this. And he didn't see that this was a, that this was teaching him something about God would sacrifice for them. So the other question is how much did Cain and Abel know? Like we kind of read the Bible and like, well, that isn't, that's not said there as if God had not taught them anything in these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to Adam and Adam didn't have any knowledge to pass down. Right. And that, um, another note with Luther, he says it's actually when it says that Adam, <clears throat> that God is talking to Cain, like sin is crouching at your door. That's God talking through Adam, who is prophet and priest. Now, yeah. I don't agree with Luther there. That seems an odd take, but um, but Adam is. They had a preacher. Adam is the yeah, head Adam's of the church, preacher. and yeah. and uh, Adam had quite a history with God. Yeah. yeah. So I. Um, Jason looks very uncomfortable. I just this. feel I just <laughs> I just feel that it would be it's the wrong way to say it, but I have a hard time believing that there was not information about a sacrifice coming and that they were just sacrificing and God's like, well, they want to sacrifice, so then I'll judge their hearts, right, that way. I think a better explanation is that there was at least some shadow of this. And so maybe part of the problem with Cain's sacrifice is is that he brought the he brought the wrong sacrifice, which comes from the same place, which is he's not trusting and listening to God. Okay. I will be orthodox the rest of the... <laughs> well, but the along podcast. those lines, um, right, it's it's Abel's blood that, that cries out. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get later in Genesis, right, with Noah, um, the importance of blood again reiterated. So, I mean, it's it's hardly like this blood theme, you know, is a much later development in the scriptures. It's something that God has, has been emphasizing early on. And I do feel sometimes, like, if we don't... I mean, this is speculation, and we're be careful with speculation but when we we don't that we at least kind of a, what uh professor balgi would call a sanctified speculation <laughs> um that we actually fall right into the hands of those who think that all religion is just sort of a made-up construct and and um 
it was just a natural thing and there was cultural borrowing and like the the Israelites just borrowed this from the Egyptians and just whatever. I think you actually have to think about that thir- more thoroughly. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's maybe a good topic for another day. What how much is cultural borrowing from different religions? How much is just the natural inclination that people are going to have religiously? And how much of it is just a, a, sh- uh, a, a things that were handed down from Noah that got twisted along the way? I think those are the three options. All right, right. we're done. I, we should have <laughs> Noah and Jason talk. Um, what? Well, if I can just with, so you're hitting on with the nature of the sacrifice too, but we should probably hit on too that it wasn't just Cain's sacrifice that God speaks of as being acceptable or unacceptable, um, but rather um, for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So it's for Cain's person that he has regard. And I think that's where we also get this, um, you know, the Romans 11 or the Hebrews 11 connection, uh, that Cain lacks the righteousness of faith. And so what he does is a fruit of unbelief Abel um, is regarded as righteous. Um, he is righteous through faith. Um, and so his sacrifice is also pleasing to God. And so with the blood as well, we see already righteousness as well. Because we could take this and flip it that it's the work precedes um, the verdict. But it's, it's God is already looking at them before the sacrifice is, is offered. And I think that connects well, too. And so it makes sense that Abel's offering of faith would be more in line with the confession of the promise of a Savior and that Cain's offering of unbelief would not be. Um, and that Cain would get so mad when it didn't do what he thought it would do. And this this is, as parish pastors, this gets played out all the time when people do come to church for the right reasons and, and the, the beautiful acts of faith. And then you also have people who think, well, I go and I went there and I got confirmed here and so my, now my kid's going to get confirmed and they just have no concept of grace and faith. And then they get angry if you're like, well, you haven't been to church since last Easter. Maybe we want to think about something a little bit better for you, right? This is, this is Cain and Abel. Right. Yeah. Noel, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this is where the... Uh the benefit of the disclaimer comes in, right? So you can say all of that with perfect immunity, Mike. I wondered why you guys held on to that thing, but uh, I thought it was more for Wade. But <laughs> no, I, that's fascinating. I don't. I don't think there. Right, there shouldn't be a single sacrifice that is recorded in Scripture that does not make you first and foremost think of Christ. Right. So the fact that that's already happening, regardless of when it's made or what is the precursor of it or what kind of instructions were given. And, and, and recorded there earlier in Genesis, um, if you're not thinking of Jesus and, and the, the bloody sacrifice uh, uh, on Calvary, then I think you are missing out. But I, I'm glad you pointed out uh, what you did, Wayne. I think, you, you know, you guys were talking about uh, Luther. Um, and I think one of the things that he references, too, is that this is kind of the, the Jewish approach um, is to, to focus on the sacrifice itself. Um, and say, well, here's why, because the, the wrong sacrifice were given. And, and they, they suppose that, you know, the reason that Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted is because he gave chaff and not actual wheat. Um, and, and Luther's point of that, I think, is to go on and say, 
Um, no, it's really more so the, yeah, the, the heart of faith from which it comes. And, and this is really all we have after this, right, is Hebrews 11, where, where the writer of the Hebrews references, by faith, Abel gave a better offering than Cain. And so, you know, there, 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 there is that connection there to, to the faith. But I think tying all that in, especially to the thoughts of anthropology, um, I think one of the sections that are uh, one of the longer discourses Luther gives on this whole section is the fact that he references Cain and Abel as kind of being the, the foreshadowing of the church. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a there's a right church and a wrong church. There's yeah. a true church and a fake church. And, and I think that is huge too. kind of what 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 Mike was just talking about this idea that, well, I came to church and I gave my offering. I did what God wanted me to do. Right. So he should be happy with it. Um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge temptation for Christians, um, that we, as long as I kind of, you know, put forth the thing, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, understanding and recognizing that, uh, you know, sacrifices God is not pleased with, or I would bring it. It's a broken and contrite heart, um, that, that the Lord desires. So, um, I think it's interesting just to kind of bring that in, um, that idea of, yeah, the the sacrifice. I think that's it's amazing. That, and honestly, I can say I've never really thought of that until Mike brought that up. And I know he's been kind of chopping at the bit for a couple of weeks to dive into that, and I'm glad he did. Um, but I think it's also um, <clears throat> tempting for maybe people to hear that and kind of go, "Okay, yeah." So there's a difference in offerings that I give. And so I, I'll I know just that's do not that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And yeah, Mike doesn't mean in the work righteous way of like, "Oh, I I just give blood then, and then that's good." Right. Um, but rather that the the blood is an expression of it's a confession of what Christ is uh, is coming to do. Yeah, the the other right, the other possibility is it's just work righteousness. Right. Are you trying to please God? Right. I, mean, I don't see any other third option. Either it's a picture of Christ or it's. And and I think if um, so, let's circle back to Noah's two churches because I really like that from Luther and and the the the, the church of work righteousness and the church of grace. Um, but I want to hit on two. You know, it's um, to go back to Luther on here. And Luther's just fun with this section, and no one has to believe everything Luther says <laughs> on this. Um, but the idea, too, that, right, Eve, Luther says, Eve thinks that Cain is the Messiah. Right? right? I've begotten the man. Right? I've, I, I, this is... The, the Lord. Huh? I've, it can I've, be taken that way. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's the Luther... Right, Luther's yeah. take is that, yeah, right. Yeah, that it means yeah. that. And... Uh, and so Luther has a lot of fun with this while Cain is spoiled. And then Abel's name, I have to look back at the Hebrew, but Luther says it basically means, like, he's not going to do much. <laughs> like, he's going to be all right. <laughs> like, he's... Huh? And so we got the kid we need, and then there's the the other kid. Um, and so the career path that, you know, um, Cain is going to follow after his father and work the ground, right? He's going to be a farmer. Um, Abel's going to, like, pioneer this new field of... Um, livestock, because now death has come into the world, and you're raising livestock for food or clothing, and uh, and so I think to get to that maybe what if that were true that Eve thought this, that part of what this account might be driving home to uh, is the human proclivity to look to expect the wrong things in a Messiah. Um, to uh, to misjudge uh, how God works, who He picks, how He operates, and and maybe it was just because Cain is first, and they think, oh, 
you know, God's going to just do this right away. Um, they, they raise him clearly in a, in a particular way. Um, but think of the disappointment that must have come in. And I, you know, I joked in, in, in an episode a, a couple ago, I mean, their grandparents, their grandkids are terrible. Like the, the next section, which we'll get on to eventually, but Cain's kids are just the worst. And then his grandkids are the worst. And imagine being Adam and Eve and you've got the son you thought the Messiah has turned out to just be a real piece of work and he's raised like the worst family ever. Um, and, and then we've got Abel who's dead and then we'll, we'll get Seth who interestingly is the first one to be called a son in Genesis that she gives birth to a son. You wonder when, when, when Eve gave up on that yeah. belief. Yep. I, it shocks me that more translations uh, don't go with that version of uh, what is it, Genesis chapter or four, verse one, right? Uh, we, we as Lutherans consider it to be Luther's translation, but it's the much simpler translation too. Oh. Um, you know, and so it, it kind of surprises me that, that more don't go with it, but you wonder when she gave up on that. Like, was it, was it once Cain killed Abel or was it before that where she's like, okay, this has been 20 years now and the guy really hasn't done much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and along those lines too, and Luther brings out, um, how Adam and Eve in faith, uh, so as a testimony to their faith, not only did they bring us the fall into sin, but they were believers, um, do have Seth and do continue the true church. They don't just give up and say, well, we better stick with Cain. He's all we have left, which is a temptation as a parent, right? Because surely they still loved him. Um, but we see them put the continuation of the true church in contrast to the false church first. Maybe we can unpack that because I think that is an important point. True church, false church right away, because we see that theme of the remnant, the church, just early on in Genesis, and already we're going to see things go awry with Cain. Um, and so Cain's church of work righteousness, and what is, I, I still just, re- Cain's reaction is is so fitting for what, for what work religion, uh, work righteous religion does, right? It promises do this, do this, do this, do this, and then, and it makes sense. I mean, Cain is being very human in his response to it not working, right? Why wouldn't this work? I did the thing. And how many Christians who've been fed such thought, you know, um, who haven't known the gospel well, have fallen from the faith in such anger or in the flip side in despair of like, God must not love me. I did the right things, right? And the crucifix is always the great remedy for that. The one who did all the right things gets a terrible death, right? Um, but uh, anything you guys have on that, I, I, I mean, I think that is fascinating to unpack already here. The, just as we see Christ in Genesis, we, of course, see his bride, the church, in Genesis. Yeah, um, the... I. Yeah, I, there, I, there's. I don't know if these thoughts go exactly the direction you, that you're thinking or that you're wanting um, with that, but I was just kind of thinking with this, you know, the whole the whole idea of, you know, what's going on here, um, and that work righteous thing, um, and you know, it being Cain, you know, as far as Cain, Cain is dis pleasing in his approach and so then what he does is bad and I think it's hard to 
it's hard to, you know, pinpoint exactly, you know, I mean, I think, like you said, we can speculate and there, there are lots of things that we can take away here, you know, um, and, and I think all of those things, you know, I mean, the Lord lays out a lot of symbol and hints and pictures in the Old Testament that we see in completion in the New Testament. And I think that's, that's a worthwhile thing to, to spend some time thinking about and chewing on from time to time. And if Luther does it, it's okay, Jason. Right, <laughs> right yeah. So um, be careful warning us against having fun. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not at all. I'm saying I think that's that's a good thing, a, a healthy thing to to explore some of those things on occasion. Um, and, and I think, you know, just kind of the, this idea of Cain um, in his, uh, his approach being a problem leading to the offering being a problem. I mean, that, that kind of is a reminder too, that, you know, if, if, our heart is wrong and we're in the wrong place, then everything that comes out of that is going to be a problem. And I think, you know, like going back, um, Noah referenced the Psalm 51 passages there, right? That, you know, you don't delight in burnt offerings. Um, That's not necessarily what God is after. That's not what he's looking for. Um, But then you want to know what a real God-pleasing sacrifice is. It's the broken spirit and a contrite heart. And then the verses that follow that too saying, you know, then in, you know, in God's pleasure, then there will be God pleasing sacrifices. Right. And, and I think that, you know, some of that too, where it can get lost in, in the speculation of sorts is that, uh, you know, what is really going on here is I think the internal disposition of these two individuals toward the Lord. And I think it's hard to know exactly what's all going on there. Cause we only have like the barest minimum of detail. Um, but this idea that when that's not right in, and, and again, there's sin there, but then this idea of, uh, sin that, you know, is dealt with, right. The, re- the, um, the heart of faith and the redeemed child of God, when that isn't right, that's going to affect how, you know, you the the things that come out and how you deal with how how you're dealing with other things, um, the things themselves. But then that's also going to have an impact and effect on how you deal with others around, right? And and I think you know you see that as you get a little farther um, in the account of Cain and Abel, right? That this overflows not just between Cain and God, although that's really where the main issue is. Um, but not just Cain and God, or not just what Cain does, but now this is impacting what's going on with Cain and those around him. So I don't know if that I don't know if that's quite the direction that you were no, I, I mean, thinking I think about with the two churches, but but it's yeah, those are just some thoughts that were kind of swirling around for me. But and if maybe we can connect that because I think that hits on something that Mike said he was talking about in Maguanago. Um. Maybe if we can contrast what happens with Adam after the fall, which I was talking about in chapel today, mm-hmm. um, and Cain, right? Is there maybe a godly sorrow, worldly sorrow thing that we see at play as well? By all accounts, Adam seems to have become a believer. When, uh, when God comes to him and gives him the promise of a Savior, he is the preacher and priest right. of the world here um 
Cain does not express sorrow for what he's done. He expresses sorrow over his punishment. Yeah. My punishment is uh, is more than I can bear. And the church um, can be very good at producing both kinds of sorrow. <laughs> right? You can get the fire and brimstone sermon that tries to move you to faith, or at least a show of faith, over fear of hell. And, and this is, I hate to say it, but this has maybe been the majority of Christianity that people have experienced over time. I mean, this is... I think you're right. The I default, think. it falls back yep. on the gospel as a passing rainstorm. Um, but there is then also, as we see God deal with um, with Adam, um, repentance, where Adam receives that promise. And in that promise, the consequences of sin are not enough to overwhelm him, to make him fall. There are consequences. Um, but he, he clings to that. And so chapter 4 begins with essentially a statement of faith. If Luther is right, we've begotten the man, the Lord. Yep. Uh, they remember the promise. Uh, maybe we can contrast Adam and Cain a bit or what repentance means. Right? God comes to both, unless Luther's right, and this is Adam coming through God, but that would <laughs> still be through the ministry. So that right, would be yep. immediate versus immediate. Um, I mean, any thoughts you guys have on that for what listeners, for what we as Christians um, can remember is the is the goal um, when it comes to someone being sorry or as um, my beloved wife in Wisconsin I'd say sorry, sorry for what they've they've done I think a lot of this connects to I never would have made this connection but you kind of set the table for it <clears throat> and I'll credit Mike with this because I did read his book on vocation um <laughs> And uh, I got I got uh, my copy right here I am on a, any given Sunday. I'm, I'm reading it right now. I'm gonna have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway through. I'm, I got to write a review on it. So, um, but um, no, uh, Mike brings that up in his book, and uh, and and really anybody worth their waiting, you know, is is going to reference this in teaching on vocation. But I think more and more almost every day about Matthew 25. And the separation of the sheep and the goats. And of course, what is the, the question that both of them uh, reply with when they learn of their, their judgment, right? Um, of course, the, the goats say, well, Jesus, when did we see you naked and not clothe you and hungry and not feed you? And the point of it is to say, really, if you had just told us to do the right thing, thing, then we would have done it and we wouldn't be in this predicament. I have a, I have a great section yet, on that in, in one of my books written before Michael's known. <laughs> I'll read that one too. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> at, least pre- at least pretend to. At least pretend to. I'm just joking. Michael's book is the best. <laughs> and, and, and what is the response of the, the sheep? It's, Lord, when did we see you doing these things? Because we, we don't even remember. You're, you're giving us credit for something that we we don't remember doing and therefore probably didn't do. And it, it goes back to that. Uh, I'll keep bringing it up, but, but Jason referenced it too, the Psalm 51. Um, why is it that the Lord does not delight in sacrifices or I would bring it? There's the emphasis, right? Um, that, that whole idea is why it becomes a, a, a non God pleasing things, but what is pleasing to God, a broken and contrite heart and spirit. Well, who, who does that? Not me. It, it's it's the word, right? It's the spirit that does that. So 
the irony of it is, what is it that truly is God-pleasing? Well, it's that which God does. Mm-hmm. And to our ears and from our perspective, right, that sounds like a very vain thing to say. Um, you know, the things that I enjoy most are the things that I do, that I accomplish. But when it's talking from God's perspective, right, we're, we're talking about that which is truly grace, that which is truly divine, that which is truly for the benefit of his creation. And so when you're talking about what constitutes true sorrow, what constitutes true, um, you know, repentance, this is why we were always told, right, uh, in high school or college, um, you know, if we had this thought process, and we all did, and we still do, right, the idea that, well, I'm going to go do this thing that I know is sinful, but then I'll just repent about it later. And, you know, the line was always given to us, you don't, you don't program the Holy Spirit, you you don't kind of say, um, you know, true repentance is going to come out after this, because I'll just say, I'm sorry, well, that falls short, right? You you, you can't, here's what and how and when God is going to do what only God can do. Um, And so, yeah, I think that Matthew 25, to me, comes back so much um, in, in dealing with people and vocation and repentance and good works and marriage and family and community, all of those things are tied into. And I think Luther references that in the Heidelberg Disputation, doesn't he? Like that's kind of the challenge is that the second you realize a good work is a good work, it's not a good work anymore. (laughs) And and that'll be Um, what Amsdorf is trying to defend. He goes too far, but what he's trying to defend after Luther's death as well. Yeah. Um, I, that, that, that got me thinking, Noah, and I, maybe this connection isn't, isn't, isn't right, but Mike got to have fun. So I'm going to try, <laughs> um, just like as with Matthew 25, are there maybe Mark 10, um, the rich young man hints here too, um, as God often will deal with the work righteous by almost like pushing them to tire themselves out with work righteousness. And so the rich young man comes and says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus gives him the second table of the law. And he says, you know, I'm no B-team Christian. I've done all these. What else do you have? And then Jesus goes back to the first commandment, which is really a command that um, requires faith, which God himself gives in his, uh, in his word. But looking again at, at what the Lord says to Cain, too, initially um, before the murder, uh, when he sees Cain is angry, I mean, his face fell, and I think the face there, countenance talk, right? But um, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? And Luther, I think, has fun here, too, with the fallen face being like a sign of faith or unbelief, right? Um, But, and this almost sounds like Jesus to the rich young man or like Jesus to the goats. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Um, and, and is that maybe part of the contrast between Adam and Cain, right? right? Um, when, you know, they both fall to sin, they both give in to temptation, um, and they both kick at the law when it, when it comes, right? I mean, uh, Adam yep. kicks by blaming you know, um, Cain, you know, doesn't like what he's hearing either, right? Yep. But but the difference there is that, you know, Cain is confronted a couple of different times, a couple of different ways, and at each turn he continues to kick. Yeah. Where Adam, 
listens, right? Yeah. Adam receives, and I think that's maybe that's maybe that that difference, right? Where yeah. you know and the continuing to kick against that yeah. rather than um, actually listening and taking it to heart, and then receiving what God is trying to give. Yep. And and what is the doing well but believing, right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah. To go back to the commandments, right? Yep. The first. Um, to believe and then act in faith. And, and rather than that, rather than to, in repentance, receive God's grace as a gift, um, he's, he looks for a law solution, and the law solution is terrible. Yeah. Um, but he's going to eliminate his brother because it, his thinking in his mind is, this is just like um, if I'm ever, you know, if we're doing a group picture, I always stand next to a guy who's fatter than me <laughs> because I look skinnier. It doesn't make me, this is why... Mike looks almost like wraithish yeah. in, in our department, um, but or it doesn't you stand on your stand on your tippy toes. You're a yeah. little bit taller, yeah. and it, yeah. it doesn't actually change you. It doesn't make you better. And so Cain's thinking is almost well. If I get away, get rid of Abel, then surely I'll be better. I'll be what he has left. Um, which which God's will is is to love both of them and for both of them to act in faith. Um, we've got about four minutes or so. Who's got any thoughts they want to share as we get ready to wrap up? I give the last word to Noah, our guest. I just want to, I know uh, Mike referenced it earlier, but I think it is an important point. It's one that I, um, well, but he did it in passing and uh, he referenced he just, the idea of the, the firstborn. brilliance in passing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It just oozes. Um, and, he's, well, he's, he did a good the, job the, of setting the, the table. He has the so most mischievous we're, we're, smile on his face. He's so proud of himself. We're building off of I'll that. I'll stop interrupting, um, Noah. I'm, I'm muting myself now. No, but I think it all ties in, right? It's it's still a part of this kind of general theme of true church, false church, work righteousness, righteous by faith, um, is that idea of the firstborn and how important in the Old Testament that is. And yet, um, you go through the Old Testament how many firstborns, like natural, true firstborn sons, ended up with the benefits and blessings of being the firstborn? Very few, um, at, at least when it comes to the ones that are kind of highlighted and emphasized in Scripture. So you go through, and here you have the first one. You have Cain and Seth, and then there's Haran and Abraham, and then there's Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers and David, and the list goes on and on. And I think, I think one of the points there is there is really no such thing as a natural born first born son in the kingdom of God. Right. And that, that's the idea that, that if I come and I bring my best and I bring my natural status before God, I'm the first born. And, and, you know, Luther points out what, what typically comes with being the first born it's pride. Right. And that's the hardest thing to kill. And so it's the least, it's the lowest, Right, it's the last born that ends up being elevated and raised. Um, so you can't be a firstborn son unless God makes you a firstborn son. Um, and so I think that comes back to the whole idea of right, um, it's God's doing from beginning to end. Yeah, that's really good. But it's spoken like a true uh, youngest child, Noah. <laughs> it yeah. is. That's it's, right. As the oldest, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, Are think we, I am the oldest. Are I'm the oldest, oldest too. Yeah. I, Are we, we all oldest? We, we carry burdens. I don't know right. about pride. Oh, my God. Well, there's a whole lot of pride coming in the That's podcast right. studio this morning. Right. Someone comes in. I feel more sympathetic with Cade now. You know how many times Abel was probably so annoying? <laughs> 
No, but that's a good point. I never thought about that. And, you know, even like it's Judah, the, the line goes through Judah, not Reuben, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, that's good yep. stuff. So I think we're at time Wade has to teach. Yeah, yes. about the Romans, Roman awesome. Republic, the fall of the Republic. All right. What happens? Do they? They get an emperor and it goes really good for a while. And then? And then they become Christians and it all goes terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. All right. So Christianity <laughs> is the fall of the Roman Empire. You heard that, it that's here the first. Enlightenment. That's the Enlightenment. <laughs> that's right. All right. Good. Well, Disclaimer. Yeah. We don't put our uh, hope in princes anyway, right? I mean, unless it's an American Christian. Well, never mind. We're gonna have it. Uh, we don't put our hope in princes. We don't put our hope in our own firstborn, our own pride, or anything like that. The or Milwaukee our County Transit System. Yeah, or the Milwaukee County Transit System. We put our faith in God. And God has to get us there, right? Which is kind of a, under, uh, a theme that's been going on in this podcast as well, is that God does the repenting for us, right? We, he's the one that changes our hearts. So when we have been freed from that, burden of trying to please god there's nothing left for us to do but what noah let the bird fly